The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Kevin Backris, new Director General of RT, thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on The Last Word today. We have lots to talk about. The first thing I want to ask you about is this morning there was a statement made by Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly in advance of going into the Oireachtas committees. They read it then in full in the committees. But it made in particular very strong comments in relation to an email from Breda O'Shea, the former financial controller, which was sent in February 2020, which appeared to offer a side letter or a guarantee in relation to Ryan Tuberty's income. RT came out with a very, very strong statement afterwards in relation to that, denying that there had been any contractual obligation. Did you authorise the issuing of that statement? No, I didn't, Matt. Um, I need to say that, uh, I, as you know, I started the job yesterday. Um, my priority really has been about um, trying to set out future direction for the organisation and going around and seeing staff today So uh, and yesterday. And I uh, actually haven't seen a huge amount of the... Uh, committee proceedings today for that reason. Um, I was aware the statement was going out um, and uh, of course I agree with it but it was it was put out by uh, by the team there to try and put as much information into the debate as, as we could. But it was Breed O'Keefe, my mistake, sorry, yeah. who actually made the comments or whose email it was that mm. was sent out. But is it accurate to say that the implication of it was that a contract was in place was not the more important bit to show that it wasn't just your predecessor, D. Forbes, who knew about the deal being done with Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly in relation to his contract, but that the wider executive and many other people were involved in the process from an earlier stage than they have said and knew about the element of guarantee. Yeah, look, I, as far as I understand it, I think you know some members of the previous executive, um, uh, and, and not many as you characterise it, but some knew about various parts of this. Um, and this was, you know, as I understand it, a long negotiation. The email was part of that negotiation. Um, the question for me is really who knew about the way the deal was actually done in the end um, and who signed off on it. And I would welcome hearing again from Rita O'Keefe and from Dee Forbes when she's available to do it, who can hopefully shine more light on it because I'm trying to deal with the aftermath of this and make sure this never happens again at RTE. And the more information I have and we have about who was involved and where the failures of governance were, the easier that makes my job in trying to make sure it doesn't happen again. How much are you <coughs> going to be able to park what has happened for other people to deal with so that you can get on with actually doing the job of trying to reconstitute and rebuild RTE? It's a good question. I mean, it's a delicate balancing act because, you know, frankly, my colleagues have been spending many hours and many weeks going through emails, discovering things they themselves didn't know and trying to make sense of them, to be honest with you. And there's one or two key people who are not available to answer questions about that at the moment, um, who I just talked about. Um, and it's been incredibly time-consuming. And there is a danger for the organisation that uh, we get submerged by this kind of detailed activity. And I, I've deliberately asked Adrian Lynch to lead the process looking back, fact-finding. I've made it really clear. I expect everything to be put in the public domain. I want absolute transparency where it's at all possible, unless there's any legal constraint. But I want absolute transparency where it's at all possible. And Adrian's been doing that, and my thanks go to him for doing it, because I do need to focus on trying to re-establish trust in RTE, trying to rebuild confidence in the organisation, and to try and rebuild the confidence within staff of the organisation as well. 
and also set a new direction and a new strategy. And there's, there's real day-to-day things. And at the same time, I mean, I should say, you know, we welcome the various government inquiries and the forensic accountant coming in, but there's going to be an enormous amount of work in also cooperating and helping and supporting those inquiries as well. So it's really important the organisation carries on functioning and delivering for audiences at the same time. You have returned to RT after an absence of, what is it, five to six years? Seven. Yeah. Seven in yeah. total. Mm. Did you think in recent weeks about changing your mind and not coming back? <laughs> um, no, a few people suggested it to me. Um, no, I didn't, absolutely didn't. Who um, suggested it to you? Pe- people in England or people here in uh, Ireland? Not seriously. They said, are you still coming, kind of thing. It was semi-serious because they knew I was. Um, no, I... I Look, I, I took it as... I firmly believe in in public service broadcasting, the importance of it. And I firmly believe in the importance of RTE and its role. And I know there are fantastic people who work for RTE. And, you know, I feel really sorry and bad for them that they've been let down by this. And if anything, it reinforced my desire to come back. And, you know, I, I took the decision. And my, my wife said to me, sure, you want to take a pay cut, which it is to come back. And, um, you know, she's not very money-minded, but she did raise the question, uh, you know, so, uh, like, I wanted to do it. I wanted Why to do did job. you want to do it? What was the motivation to come back? Because you had been, what was it, four and a half years or so in RT and in Ireland previously. Mm-hmm. Look, I loved my previous time in Ireland. Uh, I made some great friends here. I had a great time. I love the work. I really, I really uh, like what RT does and the contribution it makes and the value it has to Irish life. And, you know, when I was here previously as head of news and current affairs, and that was after a previous crisis... Um, you know, rebuilding news and current affairs, rebuilding our investigations at RT, which, you know, see last night, they're, they're in extremely good shape. I'm very proud of that. And I believe in public service broadcasting. I believe in, you know, and by the way, um, you know, you, you do it here as well. Um, you're part of, of that really important ecology of reliable, trusted news. Talk to me a little bit about your experiences here previously, because you were head of news and current affairs, but you also spent a time as a deputy director general. What dealings would you have had with Noel Kelly during that time? Yeah, I've been obviously thinking back as to exactly what dealings I had with him. Um, I probably had co- coffee with him a couple of times, I think. Um, I stand to be corrected, but it's a long time ago. Um, and I had dealings with him over negotiations about Pat Kenny, um, and then Claire Byrne. So generally, it was, as a matter of course, it was the DG who was involved, but if it was a news presenter, um, then the head of news and current affairs would become involved in some of those discussions. And how would you characterise the way those negotiations were carried out and what he was looking for? Yeah, look, he was tough, um, you know, uh, and good on him, that's his job. Um, I always had a straightforward relationship with him. Um, you know, he's a he's a... Um, interesting and capable agent um, and he was very tough and uh, he certainly didn't do what RTE wanted him to do he had very much his own mind and did what he wanted to do um, uh, and in the end one of those negotiations was successful which you know was uh, Claire Byrne and her new TV programme and at uh, that stage and um, she's one of the huge talents that RTE has thankfully uh, one of the negotiations on, you know, in the end we both walked away and Pat obviously left RTE and went to News Talk. And at that time, did you get any impression that he expected RTE to do as he wanted? I don't think he... Uh, I don't think he expected RTE to do as he wanted. I mean, he made a strong case and 
in both those negotiations and um, it was very forceful. Um, and, you know, sometimes, well, on one, one occasion we overall managed to reach agreement and on the other one we didn't. Um, yeah, he knows his own mind. Will you deal with him in the future? I think we need to consider that carefully about our relationship with agents, particularly for the kind of top um, paid presenters on RTE. In what way? Well, I'm not sure it's helpful to have this, um, you know, as recent events have shown. Um, you know, we deal with some we, we deal with some presenters directly, and and sometimes that's much more straightforward. Um, doesn't nothing stops presenters having agents if they want to for for other work apart from their broadcasting, as you know. But um, uh, you know, whether it's the right thing for RTE to deal with agents given all the events, I think we need to consider that really carefully. We played an old clip from an old interview with Ryan Trubbody last night, which goes back actually 13 years, in which I asked him about his relationship with Noel Kelly. And he said that the reason he employed Noel Kelly was so that there wouldn't be any difficulty between him and RTE when it came to actually evaluating what his worth was. So if presenters or broadcasters want to do that to get somebody to actually to ease the relationship mm. can you stop them actually having that availability to them look I, I think if we change the type of relationship they're welcome to take advice uh, it doesn't mean we have to negotiate directly with agents something else I want to ask you about because there's another Rutgers committee meeting which is on tomorrow in relation to GAA Go and a lot of people <coughs> are wondering about RT's involvement with GAA in putting matches onto a streaming service that people have to pay for when they regard RTE's role as putting programmes free to air to those who have paid a licence fee. What is your view as to the appropriateness of RTE being involved in that commercial joint venture? Look, I think first of all, so long as RTE is dual funded, we need to get involved in commercial um, ventures and that's part of our, in fact, that's part of our remit and that's uh, as designed by the Arctis. Um, secondly, we have an extremely good relationship with the GAA, um, which is really valuable to us. The third thing I say about GAA Go is that all the money that RTE makes from GAA Go goes directly into paying for free-to-air programs, and we run more um, free-to-air GAA matches in the last um, year or so than we've run for many years. So there is a benefit for free-to-air audiences. I can understand the tension there, and um, my view about it is... You know, we need to make sure there's robust oversight of this. I think it's the right thing to be doing, given the funding model of RTE and the relationship. Um, but I'm, I've um, said to Declan McBennett, who um, is head of sport at RTE, I don't think it's appropriate for the Director General to sit on the GAA Go board, um, because I think there needs to be a public service court of appeal, if it's necessary, uh, on any choices that are made, and so that I can take a, a detached view of of at the end of the season of how we serve audiences. Kevin, there may be more league and club games in GA shown, but there's no more championship matches than there was mm. under the old contract, 31 games. And there are more championship matches now, which means I think 38 were shown on GA Go this year. But isn't there a perception of conflict that when you have big games, for example, in the Munster Senior Hurling mm -hmm. Championship, which are shown on GA Go that people are charged for not being available to see on terrestrial free-to-air television. Is that still not an issue that is going to have to be addressed? Look, I've, Declan and I have agreed. We need to look at, at the end of the season, given the discussions about this, we need to review the choices that were made and why they were made and make sure they were made for the right reasons and in the interests of audiences overall. So we will look at that. I mean, you know, to be fair, one of the issues, I think, has been the shortened season 
and the number of games and the other commitments RT has in terms of, you know, we have good sports rights for free-to-air audiences, rugby and other things, and it's been a very congested um, schedule, and I think that has been part of the decision-making. I want to come back to something else from your time previously as Deputy Director General. What knowledge did you have of the barter system been operated out of the commercial department, of which we've learned so much about in recent weeks, and indeed mm. uh, considerably more last night with the publication of details of an enormous additional amount of barter work than had been suggested in recent weeks. Yeah, I was aware there was a barter account to trade airtime, as there is with all commercial organisations. Um, I was not aware of the hospitality that was paid out of it um, at that stage or until this detail came, down, came out. And what do you want, the, how do you want the commercial department to operate in the future? Look, I'd say, you know, when we, while we are dual-funded, um, commercial is an incredibly important um, source of revenue for RT and it pays for a lot of high-quality programmes. So we need to make sure it's as successful and competitive as it can be. Um, I think that needs to be a lot more transparency around it. And I was talking to the new leadership group this morning, which met for the first time, about how we can bring more transparency to some of the operations around here. And in fact, I met the commercial team today, actually, as part of my staff um, sort of visits around the organisation. And um, I think we need to look really carefully at, I mean, I think we need a barter account because that's the reality of how you trade airtime. Um but I think in terms of the money that's spent on hospitality and so on, I think we need a, a proper transparent process as overseen with a budget, uh, with accountability. What is the feasibility going into the future for RTE in relation to remaining in this current status of being dual funded? You haven't had a license fee increase now in well over a decade You've, your predecessors consistently said that you were dramatically underfunded as a result of that. But now your commercial revenues are likely to come under even further pressure than they have been in a changing media environment. What sort of change do you want for the funding of RTE? I think we need, you know, we need to have a settled uh, a settlement on public funding. And, you know, I was having some discussions with politicians over the summer about... Um, uh, you know how, you know what their thinking was, and my suggestions about how we might do that. Um, clearly, in the end, it's a matter for the government and for the Arctus. Um I think the most important thing is to have some settlement so we have some stability going forward. Um, I've said to the various politicians I met, I, I don't think it's right or sustainable just to ask for a simple increase in the license fee. I don't think. Um, people would want to pay that, and rightly so, um, because of the number of people who evade the licence fee and the number of people who are non-television homes. So I think we need to find a more equitable system and a fairer system that provides stability to public funding. Um, my predecessor was right. You know, there is an ongoing um, funding issue at RTE, and it, you know, it's not going to get any, any better because, as you say, the commercial environment is quite challenging generally. Um, so there is a... But I'm under no illusions that we... I need to deliver trans I need to deliver the change that's necessary to rebuild confidence in RTE and trust in RTE um, and make significant changes before we can revisit the public funding discussion. But how much smaller is likely RTE likely to be in the future? This may not be what employees who are reeling at present want to hear, but is there a significant chance that one of the things you're going to have to do is introduce large scale redundancies? I don't foresee that we there should be or will have to be large-scale redundancies. Um, you know, the funding situation is, you know, it is 
serious and we need to address it. Um, and I've been asked this, as you can imagine, as I've been round in the last couple of days speaking to people. Uh, and what I've said to staff, and I say here, I can't give any guarantees about no redundancies. Um, but if, and I said this to the unions, we met them last week, but, you know, it will be a last port of call and it will be handled in a proper and fair way if we ever got to that. Um, you know, it's the last thing I want to have to get to, but it's... it's but might it be forced upon you? Because there have been reports that you're pretty close to your borrowing limit at mm. RT at present, which is why your predecessor, D Forbes, was <laughs> going to government in recent months looking for a bailout of anything up to €35 million. Euro. Yes, I look, I think to be fair, it's not a bailout. I mean, it was agreed that we would get interim funding until public funding was agreed on when the government didn't accept the recommendations of the Future Media Commission. So this is ongoing interim funding and we we do need it and we will be asking for it and we have to make the case for it and we have to give a proper case to receive that and it's been interrogated at the moment, I have to say quite robustly by the government, rightly so. Um, we will need interim funding and I think these will be part of the wider discussions about uh, going forward about the level of public funding, the size of RTE and the remit that we're still asked to deliver. A couple of things to finish up. What is Ryan Tuberty's position going to be? Because it seems quite clear he would like to be back on air. But he also said this afternoon that he feels he could be fired this Friday. Yeah, well, he's wrong on the second bit. Um, no, there'll be no decision this week about Ryan. Um, I need to probably consider it. It's a, it's a big decision for us and for Ryan, obviously. And, you know, I've said I, I need to talk to some members of staff about it. I need to talk to the new leadership team. It's a significant decision and... I won't be taking it on my own, but it will be my responsibility in the end. But I what has he done wrong that would justify him being let go by RTE? I don't want to... Look, uh, it's there for everyone to see that, that what's happened and how his reputation's been uh, undermined by this. I don't want to get into um, directly criticising him myself because I you know, I know him well. I, I like him. He's a very bright guy. He's an extremely good broadcaster. Um, and I don't like seeing any individuals... Um, reputation being trashed the way it has this his has been over the last few weeks, and I feel for him personally. And you know, I hope, given a bit of time, you know, wherever it is, he'll restart his career. He's a very, very talented broadcaster, but we have to make a decision about what the right thing is for RTE in the in the end. And one final thing, you must have got this job on the basis of a presentation to the board as to what you wanted to do. How much of that is now gone? Or how much of it can you actually manage to still try and implement, given the dramatically changed circumstances? Yes, now I did have to do a presentation. Um, I hope it's not gone. I think some of it's postponed. Some of it was contingent on actually us establishing um, public funding, um, because a lot of what you need to do to drive change has a price tag attached to it. Investment in digital, changing the skill set. Um, investing in drama, putting more money in the independent sector, for example. So those would, would all have been part of my strategy. Um, some of it we will be able to push on with, and it, as I sort of indicated earlier on, I do need to keep focused on the future of the organisation, running the organisation day to day, making sure we deliver great content to audiences, um, which is why I don't want to get bogged down as far as I can help it in events of the past. We need to surface them, but I want the rest of the team to do that. I need to focus on delivering the best possible RTE for audiences and that's what I'm going to do. So, yes, you're right, this wasn't the basis on which I took the job, but I'm content to deal with it. Kevin Backers, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-